0: The bottom line is we're looking for something that is a reader that we relate to that speaks to us in some way, and that's why we have thousands and thousands of different kinds of books and different reactions to them.
1: Welcome to the Book Society podcast, where we talk to interesting people about interesting books. It's really that simple. Okay, here we go. It's next week. We're back with Laurie Lowenstein. We're talking about Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. came out in 1980. It won the Penn Hemingway Award, which is the award that Penn gives to first-time novelists. It was named by The Guardian as one of the 100 best novels of all time. I will be honest with you, this doesn't often happen. I did not get it. You're a professor of English. I would like for you to explain to me, like, help me love this book. It didn't make any sense to me. I didn't really understand it. So the floor is yours, Senator.
0: Okay. Well, um, I'm sorry you didn't get it. I mean, it's
1: no. Don't it's don't not, be sorry. Literature is subjective. It's not. It's not. Yeah, I mean, fault. I would
0: say yes. It's 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 what probably would you might call a quiet book. It doesn't have a lot of action. Emotional tensions between the characters are subtle, and you know, there's not a huge arc. I guess I, I chose it for a couple of reasons. So I did not read it until 16 years after it was published. I was I had had a career in working for a couple of small newspapers and, and public relations. And I was in my 50s and decided that I wanted to try to write fiction. And so I enrolled in a creative writing fiction program for uh, an MA at Wilkes University where I ended up teaching. So part of that process of getting that degree is you, you are mentored suggest books that are similar to what you're interested in writing about yourself that might guide you in some way. And this was one of the books. So Mm. it did bear relationships, relationship to what I was trying to do as a writer. And so I guess that endeared itself to me. I think the language in the book is just really beautiful. Um, It talks about the lives of itinerant women in the forties and fifties. And it's really just, you have a couple of uh, sisters who are orphaned Her, their mother commits suicide and she sort of leaves them with their grandmother in this little town in North Dakota. And shortly after uh, uh, Aunt Sylvie is recruited to come in and help take care of them. And Aunt Sylvie is someone who's really, it's very, becomes clear, is never really, she's always been a wanderer. Um, she's always been a transient. Today we might say homeless. Um, it's not clear where she was living, but she was certainly familiar with riding on box cars and and sleeping on park benches and things like that. That becomes pretty clear. And she also it comes clear she's got these two girls. They're they're entering junior high, which is a pretty um, difficult age uh, in, of change and and she doesn't know what how to what to do what she's supposed to be doing. You know, uh, she's really not really even good at. The basics of housekeeping. She she likes usually for supper they have cold foods, you know. So it's clear she's feeding them what she probably ate on the road, which would be like canned sardines and these little they, these little fruit pies you could buy in the store in an envelope. And she's she has a lot of quirks that are had probably been acquired when she was just traveling around. And they have a big flood in the town. There's this a lake nearby that plays quite a bit part in the book and their house is flooded and they just sort of live with the moldering wet furniture that results from that. Cause Sylvie, that's not important to her to get, get that, that rectified. And the girls are are in junior high, you know, they, mm-hmm. they sort of go along with it. Another reason I picked this though is because Marilyn Robinson has gone on to have a really illustrious career as a writer. She didn't, I think there was 20 years before, but then she, she published a bunch of books. She won the Pulitzer, I believe, for uh, *Gilead*. And reading a, a debut novel from someone who goes on to accomplish great things—it's interesting because you can you see these themes that come up over and over again. I think all writers, if they've written more than one book, they're go- there's things that just they just going to return to, even uh, you know, unconsciously. And so her mm-hmm. themes—they show up in this first book and. I also feel that debut novel, if it's if it's any good at all, well, it it, it has a rawness and a um, an openness that maybe that the future novels don't have. It's they, they might be more polished, which is you know admirable in and of itself. I mean, that's a good thing. But there's a rawness in this book that really touches me, and in her themes, which she returns to often, are i say spiritual or theological themes. She really has, you know, the ideas, general ideas of, you know, what happens to us after death. And she's interested in those kinds of of, of, of things and loneliness. And what role does loneliness play in one's life and in one's spiritual life? So I, I you know, that was another reason I picked it. But I just also was really engaged with Aunt Sylvie, who was like this really, Unique eccentric character. I mean, she was. <laughs> I love the way she tried to really just, you know, she did her best <laughs> with these two mm-hmm. girls and the two sisters. Initially, they're they're young, a little bit younger, and they're really spent all their time together and doing things outdoors and sometimes skipping school. And but they've have have they've had trauma in their life. Their mother has committed suicide and. And as they get a little bit older, one sister really wants, Lucille, really wants to be a part, she wants to be a normal teenage girl. She wants to hang out with the other teenage girls. She wants to be dressed like them. Sylvia, Aunt Sylvia, is not very helpful in that regard. I mean, she'll do what she can, but Lucille is really becomes, strives to separate herself from the household. And Ruth is the other sister. She narrates the story and she... Is attracted to Ruthie. She's attracted to her, the freedom and sort of carefree nature of, of of Aunt Sylvie. And eventually, at the end, they they go off together. They choose the transient life.
1: Yeah, it's um. I mean, I like it more just hearing you describe it honestly. And there, there was the, the similarities that struck me between this and Funeral Train is they both start with a train wreck. They both take place in more or less the same place. Just some kind of random Midwestern town yes. in the you know dire straits and the um, the things and what you described the these like I, I mean her language how do I put this so Marilyn Robinson is a luminary I mean she she published this and I did not know this novel existed she published this novel in 1980 and then she yes. published her Pulitzer Prize winning novel 24 years later in 2004 yes and I don't know what she was doing in the interim but it made her <laughs> I think it made her a much more interesting writer Yeah. Whatever it was that she did.
0: Um, Well, she went, she teaches at the writer's school in Iowa. uh, The famous, right. So, yeah, she just was absorbing, I guess, what she was teaching. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she's a, she's a legend. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I I feel like I shouldn't, I mean, I'm comfortable criticizing anyone's writing, but I found that this was like, I mean, her, the language is beautiful. You know, there's, uh, she is one of those writers that, you know, like I've said before, I would read her if she wrote the phone book i would read it let's just she has a way of putting things that is just beautiful but i think this book was prone to just kinds of just galactic flights of fancy that went from you know i'm a little girl sitting on a some lawn to now we're talking about jesus and the resurrection and and sometimes they landed and sometimes they didn't for me yes and uh, again in a first-time novel if i had read this if if this was just, you know, someone's novel that I read, and they said, this is what I wrote, I'd say, this is great, you should write some more, this is a really good start. I could not, I don't understand why the literary world was obsessed with this book in
0: 1980.
1: Yeah. There was other better stuff around. I don't, I don't know why it won so many awards. That's what I'm, that's what I can't put together.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if I can help with that. I don't, because I didn't read it then either. Um, But I think you're right. I think there are books that, that, you know, the debut is, it's, why why did this get attention? But somehow they do. Um, there was just a, a, an article in the Lit, Lit Hub, and they talked about 10 debut, you know, novels you should read. And one of them was Marlon James. And he went to the, I don't know if you know him, but he wrote, he won the, the Man Booker Prize he writes more now he's doing more fantasy stuff but anyway his i read he was in the program he was like in the the graduating class ahead of me and he had already published a book by akashic and it was good but it was a little hard to read it he used a lot of uh, patois he used a lot of cuz it was taking place in jamaica and he used the you know the dialect but now he's it it's a good book but his he went on to much bigger better books Sure. I think that's pretty common. I guess one reason, too, you mentioned the trains. And um, so in the town I'm from, I mentioned there was a train track nearby. But it also, two blocks down, the trains went over this massive railroad bridge. And it was, I think it's like 700 feet tall. It's And it has all these arches. It's made of concrete. It was built in 1924. And as teenagers, we would go down there. And it had tracks, two sets of tracks for trains going one way, trains going the other. And if there wasn't a train coming, we'd walk out on this bridge. And this, you know, this scene happens in this book. And it's in the book, the, the bridge is over a lake. But in the town I'm from, it's over this huge valley that you, if you fall, you're dead. And if the train comes, there's no place to step. So, why, you know, what were we doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it was very you know i and I'm not a risk taker so but this is those teenage years where you your peer group sort of pulls you out of your your comfort zone and um also the bridge were these big arches and there were trap doors along the way if you lifted a trap door you could actually take a ladder down and stand in those arches so if a train came theoretically you could get the trap door open and go down and stand on the arches down there but that I don't know
1: as you're saying this I'm remembering that one of my first dates when I was a kid was like hanging out with a girl under a train bridge because you know where else do you go when you're a kid yes right Um, and uh yeah this was in order to get there we had to walk on the tracks for a little while that's and it. Uh, yeah, such a, such a, I used to go down there and drink alcohol too when I was, you know, 15. What a stupid place to hang out.
0: Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> Teenagers are attracted to those sort of deserted places that are dangerous in some way. You know, we All had right. hobos, we had tramps that camped around in there too. So that was like really not a good idea. But
1: I, I learned this on another podcast, but hobos are, um, uh i think ride the rails
0: yeah okay so i think yeah. this yeah so
1: i think that's i think that, that's a specific kind of lifestyle yes,
0: that is um, true yes.
1: yeah they're the ones with the little like you know um bindles on the stick Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah pop trains yeah so i and, and i could see the influence i mean frankly if i had read these two as manuscripts and didn't have any names attached and you would ask me to pick which one i like better it would have been funeral train Cause oh, thank you, know, you. <laughs> I, I can see how they're related. Yeah. You know, I'm, yes. I, I see that you, you sort of, I feel like you borrowed some kind of some tone references from her maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess if you're like listeners to this podcast, maybe able to ascertain a certain style that I like by listening to, you know, by like binging some episodes and, yeah and, and I, and I like most things, but there, there is like, I think, I think it's books where nothing happens and everything happens yeah. inside the character's head. And maybe I just yeah. didn't relate to the character. And if it was, you know, if I had related more, I would have, uh, maybe I would have, I would have felt more. And the the other thing is, so it reminded me of, um, it was kind of like transcendentalist, like, like, uh, what's the, what, who's the reference? Emerson. So it was a little like, Yeah. like this sort of like small, like everything's happening in my head and the things that happen in my town that don't matter matter. Right. Yeah. And I I think that's her, I think that is one of her influences. Um, yeah, I I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Do you Do you like that kind of writing? Do you Are you a fan of his philosophy? He and I share a birthday, also. Oh, oh, well, that's we, we, great. We've never met because we did not overlap <laughs> in time, but we do well, share a birthday. Could. Yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, I tend to, i i I like novels that are in general that are kind of quiet. There's my, my one of my favorite writers is Barbara Pym, who was was an English writer that most people don't know of, and she was not but her books are also usually about single women living quietly and observing all the town around them. So, um, I don't know. It just, that is appeals to me, but I'm also aware that it doesn't appeal to most people. Huh. <laughs> so but the project I was trying to write when I read this book, um, that I never got published was uh, based on my grandmother's life. And she, She had been orphaned when she was like 11 and her aunt Libby took her in and she and Aunt Libby, Aunt Libby had never married and they sort of set up this transient lifestyle where they were living in resident, what they were called residential hotels at the time. They were sort of the step above boarding houses and this would have been in the 20s. And um, so that's, that was the subject matter too. And that sort of fit in with this book, you know, single women, what are their lives like, particularly in in time in societies that it's not cool to be a single woman or not have a, a place in society. You're just moving around sort of in an impoverished state. Yeah. I mean, again, you said, why do I like murder mysteries? It's, this is another like sort of, like, I don't know. It's just part of me, but I'm aware that most people are not into this stuff.
1: that's interesting you know I think I think I'm exposing some or I think you've exposed some of my biases here is I'm I'm thinking as you're talking about small books and books where not much happened the thing I immediately went to Jamaica Kincaid a small place which is a book we've covered on the podcast and and I loved it yeah and I loved it but if I'm as I'm thinking about it I'm thinking about what I loved about it was her descriptions of tourists and her descriptions of the people that come and so like that come to the island. And so like that book is yes. kind of about me. Right. Yes. And this, and, and you know, and I'm thinking of other small books that I like, and they're kind of about me or they describe me. And this book, yes. there's nothing for me in this book, no. except for that. I'm a human being. And she describes an experience that other human beings are having very beautifully. Yes. So um, yes, you're right. I acknowledge my own fault in not liking a book that is probably objectively pretty interesting.
0: Well, no, I mean, I think what you're saying is very true. We all, the bottom line is we're looking for something that is a reader that we relate to that speaks to us in some way. And, and that, that's why, that's why we have thousands and thousands of different kinds of books and different reactions to them, you know, different, like, this is great. I love this. And then like, no one else does, or it's just, I think that's, that's good. I mean, that's a totally legit, response. I guess. I just
1: wonder what it is in the writing. I mean, I read, a, I'm thinking about a, a book that Jane Smiley wrote called Perestroika in Paris, which is about animals in Paris. I'm neither an animal nor have I ever been to Paris. And <laughs> and they're not. there's no yeah. bad guy. It's just these animals wandering around right. Paris doing stuff. And I love that book. Yeah. I, or I think it's entirely because there's a humanity in Jane Smiley's writing that comes through even when she's writing about animals I have nothing in common with.
0: She teaches at the same program that Marilyn robinson does oh wow they're both at the uh well, iowa writers that's right yeah, that's
1: the big yeah. One.
0: all right i haven't read the book i haven't read that james it's smiley her that sounds it's her good. latest it's good
1: um you should read it and then you can okay. listen to our episode that we did about okay. it it was a really good one i would love to yep i don't think i've ever told the story of the podcast but usually i ask the authors as you know to pick the book you know with a couple of weeks notice so i can read it yeah and she let me know on a sunday that she wanted to read Charles Dickens's *Our Mutual Friend*, and the episode was on Tuesday. And I'm not going to say no because she was Jane Smiley. I was thrilled to have her on the podcast. But in addition to this being a doorstop of a book, she is an expert in it. So, um, yeah, I think we we you know we, we made it work, right. but it was uh, that was one of the more stressful episodes we've had. Yeah, uh, Lori, we've come to we've come to the point where I ask you the question that I ask everybody, which is to. Recommend two books to our audience.
0: Okay. Um, Piranesi by um, Susan Clark. It came out a couple of years ago. It has fantastic elements. It's a fantasy about a, a young man who finds himself in what he calls the mansion.
1: So what's the, I'm sorry, t- tell us the title and the author. It's again.
0: called Piranesi, P-I-R-A-N-S-I. It's Susan Clark. She wrote Dr. Strange and Mr. Norrell, which I have not read. Um, she's well known if you read fantasy stuff. Well, I really like Hamnet, H-A-M-N-E-T by Maggie O'Farrell. It's fiction. You might not like this. <laughs> it's <laughs> historical fiction. It's based on the, apparently um, William Shakespeare lost a child when he was a young father into the plague. And the author of this Maggie O'Farrell took that idea and wrote about what happened after the child's death to the parents the William Shakespeare and which is really, he, he's never named. He's just the playwright and his wife. It's a book about relationships. <laughs> so now what happens when you have a death of a child in your family, but she just writes beautifully. But I don't know if it's one that would grab you, but maybe.
1: No, that's, a, that's, the, yeah, I mean, that's, So I I should tell you, Laurie, this is the first book, (laughs) housekeeping is the first book that I've read for the show that I have admitted to not, like, I usually will like pretend that I I don't pretend that I like them. I usually will like find something. I don't know how to put it. I usually will just like try to figure out, but I couldn't, I just couldn't grab onto it, but it's, it's not that like, and you shouldn't feel bad. I mean, it's a, you know, it is, uh, it is a praised book that people like. It's just, you know, I, I just, it just didn't, just didn't resonate with me for some reason. And, um, but that's not, but like what you described, Hamnet sounds like right up my alley. Oh. It's not because it's a small thing. Yeah. It's just because there's something about it. It wasn't, it wasn't the subject matter or the prose or anything. It was just somehow the totality of it didn't like ring the bell for me, but, um, we just did an episode on Circe. Oh, I love that book. Really, That's, you know, it's about a lady on an Island for return. Right, That's great. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think too, though, I think there's different writing styles that come with different, different decades. And sometimes it's just, even yeah. if it's something, the style just doesn't do it for you too. you know, that it sure. just seems dated or uh, out of sync. And I, you know, I, I've had that happen with many books.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think about like the, the corrections, which came out in what, 2001 mm-hmm. or something. And it was such a such a huge hit Mm -hmm. and I can see someone in 20 years reading that and saying, I don't really get it because everybody writes like that now.
0: Exactly. Yes. And yeah,
1: but he started, yes,
0: it it was a revelation. I love that Um, book. And it was like, wow, this is so fresh and yes,
1: but yeah. So maybe, maybe there is something to that, that this is like, this is a style that is now so familiar that it doesn't seem fresh. Right. Even reading the first, you know, one of the first examples of it, but yeah, But yeah, I think, uh, all right, I think we put our fingers on it. I think we nailed it. We got two books from you. And uh, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. It was just a delight. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. The Book Society podcast is brought to you by me, Lucas Cantor Santiago, and produced by Chris Peters. We do new episodes on Fridays. We have a lot of episodes. You can listen to some back catalog. If you like the show, please give it a review. You can review it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It takes a few seconds, helps out the show, helps other people find it, and we really appreciate it. All right, see you next week. So Laurie, I think you've convinced me I'm gonna have to get Marilyn Robinson on the show to explain. Yes, this yes, we do. Um, <laughs> will make sure we yeah, I'll make sure that she listens to this episode after and not.
0: Before. No, yeah.